0: Greetings, everyone, and a very warm welcome to another edition of Marketing the Invisible. I'm Tom Poland, joined today by Richard Mulholland in South Africa via Glasgow, where he was born and buttered for the first, what, eight years of your life, Rich? Welcome to the show.
1: That is correct. Thanks so much, Tom.
0: So if you notice a bit of a Glaswegian accent there, combined Hi. with Afrikaan. we have to park the car then that'll be why. Given that Rich is a strong supporter of the South African rugby team who just beat my beloved All Blacks on the weekend, we're not going to talk about rugby. Richard, stop talking about rugby. All right, let's <laughs> rock Let's get on with it. <laughs> Folks, Rich is an extraordinarily dynamic stage presence. People who attend his events write testimonials like having Rich at our event, we're like throwing a grenade in and knocking all the doors down. He opened people's minds, their hearts, uh, and so on. He is a tour de force. And the reason maybe you lie in his roots, which is rock and roll roadie, turned entrepreneur, helps other entrepreneurs. I think what you like to say is you help them to suck less in public, right? That is correct. <laughs> it's a high bar, but we can, we can get over it. <laughs> Title. Today it's actually
1: a low bar, Tom.
0: <laughs> it's a low bar, right. Yeah, I'm a bit tongue in cheek with that one. The subject, folks, is really interesting. And this is, you crack this. It really is one of the truly most profitable methods for marketing and bringing in new clients. Subject is how to use stage marketing to amplify your audience authority and activate your audience. We all know if people aren't activated, they're not going to get off the chuffs and do anything. So, Rich, thanks for being on the show. Uh, our seven minutes starts now. Question number one, sir, who is your ideal client?
1: So entrepreneurs, business leaders and rugby supporters of decent teams who (laughs) believe that they have a unique, (laughs) shots fired, believe they have a unique point of view in the world, but they're frustrated by their relative anonymity in getting that idea out.
0: Right. So feeling invisible, unheard, not getting cut through. Thank you for that. And interesting you say, you know, they feel like they've got a gift. They've got something special. And I think probably everyone has but just not not being able to get it out there. So that sounds like that's the problem you solve. Question two is, what's the problem you solve? Six and a half minutes left. Anything you want to add to that?
1: Yeah, I mean, so the problem is, there's a few problems with what it is. The first is that they have imposter syndrome. So a lot of people think, well, I've got this idea, but I'm not great at being out there. and Do I really deserve to be there? But many, many experts, there are two kinds of experts, Olympiads and journalists. You know, if you've run the Olympics, you've done you've the first person on the moon, you're an Olympiad. But if you have done your research well and you have a unique point of view, like, say, Malcolm Gladwell, who doesn't speak about object, he doesn't speak about journalism and writing, then you have this opportunity to go out there. And so when we get people to realize that, they realize they're not the imposters that they think they are. Uh And then the second problem is that most people don't understand what it takes to write, design, deliver. And then, I guess, of course, markets a great presentation that will help them steal the spotlight in any at any event they go to.
0: So, so the so question three is: What what are some of the symptoms that people are going to be experiencing who've got this problem with imposter syndrome? And I guess, you know, self esteem might be one, and the, the methodology to be able to steal the show on the stage. What else would you say? Are the typical symptoms of your ideal clients before they find you.
1: There's two. There's one that's tough for us, but is ultimately tough for them. And and there's one that's tough for them. The one that's tough for them is they don't know where to start. So they don't know where to start to position themselves as a thought leader. It's kind of difficult. Like you have this idea and you want to go out there and you want to let the world know, hey, I'm here and I've got an idea that can help you. The other problem, though, and this is the one that's very, very frustrating with for us, is that uh, you've probably heard of it. It's called the Dunning-Kruger effect, where you know people who are bad drivers think they're good drivers, and people who are great drivers think they're they're worse. We kind of experts rate themselves lower, and amateurs rate themselves higher. And most people, when it comes to presenting, to quote Mark and Gladwell again, that 10,000 hours, they think when we speak to them about their speaking, they're like, oh, but I've been presenting since before you were alive. You know, I've got 10,000 hours of presenting. Yes, you've got 10,000 hours of shit presenting. And and this is the problem. And that's most people, right? Then you've got most of the rest. And they have 10,000 hours of fine presenting they're okay but they're not memorable they're a beautiful Mm -hmm. grain of sand lying in the beach they have to be remarkable they have to be different for people to say hey i want to hear that person and and we believe that that's what we got to solve for what makes you stand out what makes you different what makes you a choice And,
0: and, and the big challenge must be remaining authentic during all that and not actually you know necessarily being as dynamic as richard mulholland might be on stage or as good looking as tom pollard might be but their own voice yeah say no more let's move on quickly so question four common mistakes three and a half minutes left what would you say the top one or two mistakes that people make when they're trying to get steal the show on the stage What, what are you what are you seeing people do that really they shouldn't be doing
1: Okay, well, the first thing is that they're taking a brief from the conference organizer. So a conference organizer phones you. Hi, Tom. We've heard your podcast. We'd love you to come and speak. And we want you to speak to the state of marketing and podcasting today. Now, you're a marketer. You understand it. You're a podcaster. But that's not your keynote. That might not be your area of authority. But it sounds like a good audience. So you're just like, yes. I don't do that. I say, no, I say, I think I could add far more value by speaking at your event on this topic. And let me explain to you why. I can move the needle of your audience by A, B, and C by doing one thing. And the problem with this is that then what happens is you say yes, because you want the audience, you start writing the talk, you scope creep because you're trying to get your air of authority anyway, but actually you're nervous as all heck because you're writing new content for the first time and you can never use it again. So yep. you've added too much friction to your speaking journey. Rather, yep. write a great talk that you're comfortable giving, and then only take the gigs in which that is relevant.
0: So that, that would be a, the biggest single mistake that we would say. Beautiful pivot you just gave everyone there. And anyone who's been on the speaking circuit will know that problem. You try to bend yourself out of shape to get the gig, but then you regret it because you've got to create all this new content. It's not really your specialty. So beautiful pivot. You and content
1: takes time
0: yeah, to land. Yeah. Like uh, you practice in yeah. public. It, it it does, and it takes repetition, and it takes rethinking, and it's it's a bit like you know books aren't written, they're rewritten. Well, speeches are kind of similar. So let's move on to it's two minutes left. Question five is one valuable reaction. Give us a top tip. You've given us one already, but you got another one up your sleeve. Yeah, I mean, I think
1: everyone should take a moment to consider what their UPOV is, their unique point of view, and it's your unique point of view. You know, it shouldn't be a five-horse race. When you're, say, pitching or presenting, it should be you, a two-horse race, you versus right. the best of the other four. You have to not have an idea that's counterintuitive or counter-narrative. And the problem is that too many leaders, they think they want to tell their story, but nobody cares about your story. Right. Your story is only important when it helps people relate to your point you start with the point you want to make and then you write the story that will support it. If you're starting with the story you want to tell and retrofitting the point, you're going to fail. So figure out what is my unique point of view on our industry that would make people say, huh, Mm. I never thought about it that way. Get that and you're off to the races.
0: Perfect. Thank you, sir. Question six, 50 seconds left. Valuable free resource. Give us a URL people can go to find out. Get some cool free stuff from you.
1: Yeah, so absolutely. If you go to msng.wtf/framework, we've created a trailer board and a video tutorial that will actually help you structure your presentation from Beautiful. the first word you say to where you get your ovation.
0: Okay, www.msng, M for Michael, S for Sally, N for Nigel, G for golf, Dot W-T-F. I'm not going to tell you what that stands for, forward slash framework, forward slash. Thank you, sir. 15 seconds left. What's the one question I should have asked you but didn't?
1: Why is this the right time? And I'll tell you, it's the right time because the world is changing and there is an opportunity for those who are willing to put their hands up to take advantage
0: of that disruption and change. Richard Malholm, thank you so much for your time